0: about them Irish
1: I can't take it anymore I need a national championship This is the Four Horsemen podcast
0: The Notre Dame fighting Irish thrash the Stanford Cardinal, and finish off an 11-1 season. Since this podcast has come into existence, Notre Dame is 43-6, and which is an 87.8 win percentage, which includes two college football playoff appearances and possibly a third. No need to thank us, but before we get into possibly a third, I'm going to pass over to Steve with a word from our
1: sponsor. And Dylan, if you are in the market to move and get a new job and move to the booming cultural epicenter that is Norman, Oklahoma. Then you can go to Dwindle. <laughs> Dwindle is the first student, first job board aimed at solving the student loan debt crisis. They will pair you up with jobs that will help pay down your student loans. You sign up for free. They will give you a free resume critique, and then you can uh, start applying for jobs that will help you pay down your your loans. Or alternatively, if you haven't even gone to school yet and you are looking for uh, some tuition assistance, they can they can definitely hook you up with a job that can help you in that regard as well. So check them out at dwindlestudentdebt.com. That's D-W-I-N-D-L-E, studentdebt.com. Let them know the four horsemen sent you. Steve, I feel bad right now
0: for Oklahoma fans. They suffered a tough one-two punch. But before I think we really get into the Sooners, let's talk about the only team that matters. That is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We could not beat Stanford at the farm for so long. I think our first win against them under Kelly came in the last time we were there, which would have been 2019. Correct. We now hammered them 45-14, to which is disgustingly close to how you and I both predicted it, right? I went 42-10, you went 45-10.
1: 45-14. Oh, yeah, no, 45-10, you're correct. So...
0: We saw what was coming. We knew what happened and Notre Dame was a bit merciful. Yet somehow there were fans complaining during the game that this team was not doing enough. Um what 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 are your thoughts on the game? Like how did you, what was take talk me through it. Like what what's going on when you're watching the game and how did you feel we performed?
1: Honestly, it was just no stress. Like, we came down, we scored on the opening drive, which I believe is the first time we've done that since Mayor's touchdown against Florida State, if I'm not mistaken. There could be another example in there, but I, I feel like you're hard-pressed to find one. So, started strong. Defense kind of just held them at bay the entire time. It, it wasn't, you know, like smothering dominant, oh, but it, it, in a way it kind of was. It just felt like, I don't know. I, they knew they had to pass the ball. They had a lot of incompletions. Um, they couldn't run worth shit. And they didn't really put any points on until, you know, kind of um a, a, a untimely interception that we threw when we were already up and blowing them out. And, and it, it just it felt very just systematic. You know, there was no drama to it. There was no sweat. It was just... Oh well, the football game's on. I was editing that video that I put out like while I was watching the game simultaneously. <laughs> so it's like I was just kind of like look up, watch you play, be like, oh, nice. Notre Dame's really good. Go back, like edit the video on my phone. Look up, it's the next play. Oh, we made another big stop. Okay, turnover, you know, or or punt, and and Notre Dame's gonna come back and score. So that like it just felt like we at no point were going to lose that game. We were supposed to win it. We went in and just won, and it was it was just very peaceful. Now, correct me if I'm wrong,
0: and I could be wrong here, but I believe the Louvre said that your video would be introduced this year. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, at some point I'm expecting to make an exhibition out there, although I am banned from France. Don't ask.
0: I don't even know what to say to that. Um, if you guys have not seen the video Steve made, you should go see it. It's amazing. It's like a compilation of the Wolf of Wall Street with some sweet music and then like just like a rocket going into space. It's bananas. It is so unbelievably good. <laughs> um, so we beat, we beat Stanford. Um, but like I said last week, it's not the team that we beat that signals why we're a top four team. It's the way we're beating them and the growth we're seeing every week. And yes, these are weaker opponents, but the issues that persisted in the first half of the season are no longer here. Um, And just to give you an example, our offensive line was bad against Florida State and Toledo and every other garbage team we played. Now when you look at the garbage teams we're playing these last few weeks, they've been good. Um, And that's just one of the things we've been doing better, right? The defense has been... Utterly dominant. I mean, Stanford only scored a touchdown because we turned it over near our own end zone. So um, Marcus Freeman's got the boys going without Kyle Hamilton, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, the running game's working a lot better. Um, it's. I don't think we are going to be a rush first for 250 yards team, nor should we want to be. I think the run game is good as is, which gives Jack Cohn um, the, the time and uh, the ability to operate. And, and that's the thing, too, is you give that guy space. I say it all the time all caps, lethal. Him in the pocket is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. The problem is you got to protect him in the pocket. That's the downside. Um, but if you do, you will see what he does to defenses. Um, he had thrown like 21 for 23 passes to start the game against Stanford. I mean, unbelievable accuracy. Um, dishing it out to everybody. We had said last week, big game for Michael Mayer was, was my prediction. We got a big game for Michael Mayer. Um, even Coach Kelly said at one point after after the game that Stanford set up their D to prevent the run. Um, so I'm not concerned with, with rushing yards being a little lower. Um, the offense was dynamic. The offense was explosive and it's exactly how I wanted to finish off the season. Um, do you, do you want to talk for horsemen? Because boy, is there a lot to get into from this week of college football? Just absolute chaotic shenanigans.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be, uh, it'd be definitely beneficial in this case, just to really h- highlight just uh, a handful of players that really showed out. Cause you know, I, like I mentioned I, defensively on, on, on the defensive side of the ball, I guess I'll just be a, a little bit of a spoiler alert it has to be Justin Adam and Lola. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a sack. He had the, the, you know, the sack fumble picked up a fumble. He, had, he had actually had two fumble recoveries on the day, just, you know, kind of ha- ended up being all over the place. So, and, and his brother, uh, Justin also had a sack as well. So the Adam Alola is leading us on the day, getting into the backfield. So uh, other than that, other than his kind of standout performance on the defensive side of the ball, um, yeah, everyone else, they played great team defense as an individual. No one else kind of really popped, so to speak. And And I think that's just because Stanford's offense was just so boring right so it was it was kind of just a a straightforward just go out do your job and then oh hey we're we're back on the sideline again cuz they have to punt so uh that kind of covers defense but is there anyone on offense uh that that you wanted to highlight let I'll I'll defer to you
0: for sure i mean i've been raving about cone so i'll
1: i'll just pick
0: cone as the guy for me um an 83.2 qbr which again is a very good score that was um right around where ian book was last year so you're getting great quarterback performance again Um, also I want to shout out Michael Mayer. I feel like, uh, I feel like I called that one, you know, he was dominant nine receptions. He's now the all time reception leader for a tight end in a single season. Is that the, is that the correct statistic?
1: That is correct. Yeah. They, I think they posted that to the Notre Dame Instagram. So
0: that's awesome. Uh, credit to him and he, he has to come back next year. So, um, it's going to be very exciting with him in the team. Um, and then, you know what, I'll give you the last one. Um, because, uh, you've been a big supporter of this guy for a very long time, and uh, it's only fitting that uh, you sing
1: his praise. Of course. It has to be Kevin Austin. What do you have? I think six receptions for 125 uh, is, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, so uh, he he just was making big plays all game. I'm pretty sure uh, once again, he started the game really quick with a big reception and, and kind of bringing it down the field, Uh, you know, can make guys miss when he gets the ball in the open field, which is kind of one of those things that we haven't really had too much at Notre Dame recently. You know, we, you think about chase Claypool, think about, um, Oh, my God, I, I can't believe uh, uh, Miles Boykin and, and and even go back to X and Brown. Right. And uh, and, and even Michael Floyd, I feel like, you know, Golden Tate's the exception here. But by and large, these guys have been bigger bodies. Go up and make a play on a sideline. Right. Go make uh, uh, if you have a 50 50 ball, go make a play or, um, you know, a jump ball. You know, a, a 12 yard comeback, maybe a seven yard out, something along those lines. Right. We haven't had that player make the catch in the middle of the field, make three defenders miss and and you know pick up an extra 15, 20 after the catch. And, and it seems like this guy uh, has, has kind of been poised to do so at, at certain points of their season. So for, to see him pick up a bunch of yak yards in this game, um, you know, very high on him. Love Kevin Austin.
0: Yeah, I I would say Fuller is another exemption to that type of receiver. Um, And then Claypool, I think, was kind of that harmony of the big man who could rack up the yak. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're right there. Notre Dame has mostly had big-bodied guys, which I think has been to our detriment at times. Um, But this current uh, wide receiver group is impressive. Um, They've been quietly good all year. Um, You're getting contributions up and down the depth chart. I mean, Lorenzo Styles has filled in um, for. I think it was mainly Joe Wilkins uh, who got hurt, and that's when you started to see Styles come in a little more. Um, Colsey's had some game time. Um, it's just great to see. It's great to see Lindsay uh, score touchdowns, kind of, to to wrap up the season. Right, is uh, a guy who's been plagued with injuries uh, finally kind of breaking through. So I'm I'm hoping one of those two guys come back next year. I'd like to see styles and cozy, uh, paired with, let's say like Kevin Austin. And then you bring in the, the incoming freshman class. Um, I I think we could absolutely use from having one of those guys back or, or Lindsay or both. Um, but it's an exciting time. And I I think you hit the nail on the head there with, with Austin, um, really coming into his own and going to be a huge factor in whatever the next game is for Notre Dame.
1: Correct. And let's hope that there's two more games for Notre Dame, which we will absolutely cover in the course of time. But I, I suppose that does Cover our four horsemen of the week, uh, and I'll let you, our fearless leader, bring us into the next topic. Before we do, Tyler
0: Buckner, 99.8 QBR despite throwing negative passing yards. (laughs) That, my friends, is a god. That's the, the only person who could have a almost perfect QBR score with negative passing yards has to be a supreme being or an alien or or, or something, um, and that might be Tyler Buckner. Uh, but in all seriousness, he ran for, like, a 50-yard touchdown, and that would be it. Um, we're not declaring him the next Heisman winner, but I there am. is so many. <laughs> yeah, Steve is. Um, to be fair, Steve has been doing that for a year and a half now. Um, but totally. Look, he's uh, he's played excellent this year for a freshman in a backup role, in a mainly niche role too. You know, people have complained about his accuracy, but it's like he's not given uh, the best passing opportunities at Notre Dame. You know, I'm sure he's got to work a little bit on some of that stuff, but um, as a whole, there's nothing but positives for Buckner for me. Um, but anyway, let's get into the college football playoff. Um, Wow, what a few weeks, eh? We Nobody wanted to be in the playoff. Now we all want to be in the playoff, and uh, it's crazy. So we've highlighted numerous times on Twitter and on this show how Notre Dame gets in. Let's just check in with how the week went. So for the first time in a decade, the Michigan Wolverines uh, beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, that was shocking. I had money on Ohio State, uh, as I do yearly. Um, but fair enough. Fair play to Michigan. They were the better team. Um, they controlled the second half. I watched the game. Um, I hate everything about Michigan. It's an ugly stadium. It's an ugly color of piss yellow. I do like that song, though, when they go, it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine. That's all right. I, I, I can I can stomach that. Um, but the rest of it can't stand you, but that, that's a problem for another day. They will be playing Iowa in the Big Ten championship game because we all presumed Wisconsin would beat a bad Minnesota team, and they did not. Um, So Iowa becomes the winner of the West. They'll play Michigan, the winner of the East. And that's something for Notre Dame to watch. Uh, The second big game was the Iron Bowl. Um, Alabama, lucky as hell to escape that one with a victory. Uh, Auburn was shutting them down for most of the game. Uh, Of course, Alabama in the second half makes, makes a bit of a comeback. And they win in four overtimes. Um, Auburn is a six and five team remind you. So, um, how good is Bama is, is, is the question we're about to find out. Uh, they'll play Georgia, um, as winner of West versus winner of East in the SEC. Uh, and then the other big game, uh, and this was important too. We said last week, none of these games can, can get Notre Dame in or out of the playoff alone. That's all this week, but this set the stage for what we needed and you get the big matchup in Bedlam. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Uh, the Sooners lose a very close game to the to the Cowboys. Uh, that game was going on at the same time as Notre Dame, so I didn't get to watch too much of it. I did catch the last drive. Um, congratulations to the Sooners uh, for losing, uh, but also congratulations for Oklahoma State for winning. Um, they're now going to play Baylor in the Big 12 championship game because in the Big 12, the top two records play each other. Um, so that'll be a rematch. Um, and that, that and that's the main that's mainly what happened. So what we're looking at now for Notre Dame is a minimum of one thing needs to happen, but most likely two. So the minimum of one is you have five teams um, ahead of you right now. You have Georgia, Alabama, inevitably Michigan, Cincinnati, um, and then it's either you or Oklahoma State. We'll find out on Tuesday if the committee has Notre Dame ahead or behind Oklahoma state. I believe they'll have Notre Dame ahead temporarily because the second you put Oklahoma state ahead of Notre Dame, when Notre Dame has no more games to play, that's irreversible. If Oklahoma state wins the big 12 championship and you've already put them ahead of Notre Dame, you cannot justify flipping it. And I think the committee wants to give themselves a little more flexibility there. And I think they'll keep Notre Dame ahead of Oklahoma state for this week. We'll find out next week. Um, if that matters. So a minimum of one of things have to happen. Georgia has to beat Alabama. Cincinnati has to lose to Houston. Or Iowa beats Michigan. If one of those three things happen, um, Notre Dame is in. However, uh, or could be in, sorry. They could be in. However, the problem is, it'll come down to Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame. Right? And that's what we don't know yet. Because Notre Dame is ranked at of Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State has that Big 12 title game against Baylor, who was also ranked in the top 10. The feeling is, among most people, that the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys will jump Notre Dame. I think that's probably what's going to happen. And I had said that on the podcast with Rob um, weeks ago, was that was my concern. But I'd rather it be Oklahoma State than Oklahoma for those financial considerations I had mentioned last week. I think Oklahoma State is uh, such a large gap between Notre Dame in terms of the revenue they'll bring in that it might factor into their decision, whereas Oklahoma is close enough to Notre Dame to, to, to just completely overlook it. So then, to finish off this long rambling rant, huh. um, you will need a second element to guarantee Notre Dame's playoff berth. So that is one of those ones that I've listed, and another one. So just to go over it, Georgia beats Alabama. This is the most likely. Iowa beats Michigan. That's possible. Houston beat Cincinnati. That's also possible. Houston has won, I think, like 10 straight games. And then you would need a Baylor to beat Oklahoma State. So one of those things gives us a shot to get in. Two of those things guarantees our spot in, um, in my opinion. It is totally possible the committee comes out tomorrow or Tuesday because we're recording on Sunday and puts Ohio State ahead of Notre Dame. If that's the case, we're dead uh, because Ohio State isn't playing anymore either. And that would, to me, that would make no sense. Um, but that is that is a distinct, um, but I'll even say lesser possibility. So Notre Dame to get in, two of those four guarantees it, in my opinion. Um, one of them, and you are still alive. Steve, which of those scenarios do you think is most likely?
1: I am going to count on that awful, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad school up north to absolutely fucking shit themselves on the scale uh, on the on the biggest scale that there is, um, you know, in in primetime, basically. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'm 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 going to say go Hawkeyes. Um, I I think since he's going to win, I just think that they I think they have too much, you know, like they they have too much to prove, you know, that they're going to it's a playoff game for them, right? Yeah. They they have no margin for error. So since he has to play their best game and I think they're going to, we're going to get that.
0: And, and um, I'll say since he also has to impress the committee because if none of those teams lose, it's possible Oklahoma state jumps Cincinnati.
1: That's exactly that's, correct.
0: So since he has a real motivation to put Houston away.
1: Yeah. If, if they, if they win by three and, and Oklahoma state wins by 40, right? Like then it's like, Oh shit. Like that's a conversation. Um, although, I mean, I'm, crunching the numbers now and things are not particularly looking fantastic for Oklahoma state. And I'll get into that more in in a couple minutes. But, um, I I also think that Oklahoma state's at, at a a pretty, I would say decent chance to lose. I mean, it's more so an indictment that Baylor is, you know, you got to give them credit where credit's due. They've, they've built a pretty decent program there. Uh, Oklahoma state did show some grit. I mean, they came back to win that game against Oklahoma in in the, in, Mm -hmm. in bedlam, they um you know they do have a, a defense that is a little bit better you know they did by and large i think they shut down Baylor to only two touchdowns in their first matchup i think it was like 27-14 if i remember correctly so um i that i i would say it's more likely that iowa beats michigan slightly less likely but still quite likely that that baylor would win and if both of those scenarios happen we're actually the number 3 seed which is crazy well that's what i wanted to get into too
0: um If if uh, three of those things happen, you would think they would make Notre Dame the three seed. However, if they're playing Cincinnati, they may prefer to do that swap where they'll say, well, you know what? We don't want to rematch. So whoever the four is will become the three and Notre Dame will become the four. I am a little worried about that. But what I wanted to ask you is what happens if three of those things happen? Let's say I think the most likely thing is Georgia beats Alabama. I think that is probably what's going to happen easiest. Let's say that happens. So Bama is gone, okay? So you've got Georgia in. Then let's say Iowa beats Michigan. So Michigan is gone. And then let's say uh, Cincinnati wins. And then Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Who is your four?
1: All right, so you said Baylor beats Baylor wins, Cincinnati wins, and then what was the last... Uh, Georgia wins. Have... No, Iowa beats Michigan. Okay, so Iowa wins. Baylor wins. Cincinnati wins. Georgia wins. Yes. Yeah. So you'd have to do it. It would. It would have to be. It just has to be. In that case, Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. Yes. Who's that fourth? I. I, I don't know.
0: <sighs> to lost Bama after just I was... playing Georgia. That's why I think maybe they would drop Bama to three and and, and put Notre Dame in at four anyway. So I don't even know if the three seed is possible for us.
1: Because I was going to say maybe Ohio State, but they're already two losses, so they're eliminated.
0: And if Michigan loses, Michigan has to get in over Ohio State. So Baylor? Could could we put a two-loss Baylor in? Could we put a two-loss Oregon in?
1: Um, I think there's more of a case for Baylor because they would be at that point 11 and two, but a conference champion, a major conference champion, and they just beat the team that you currently have on, you know, kind of at the number five seed, right? So if, if, if you have two top five teams losing and you have the team that beats the number five seed with the same exact record, it's like, you kind of got to put Baylor in, right? I think in that case it, it should be, in my opinion, It should be UGA, Cincy, Notre Dame, Baylor in the in that scenario. See, this just it bothers me because I'm
0: worried we need there's four things that could happen. We need two of them. I'm worried that not only we're going to get two of them, we might get three of them. And that might open up the door for Alabama to get back in, which to me is just as bad. Um, as any other team staying in that top four, right? The benefit of Michigan beating Ohio State is we don't have to play Ohio State ever. Um, my concern with if three of these teams lose, that Bama might actually stick. Um, so that's what's interesting is we need two, but we got to be wary if we get three or even four. Like imagine if all four of those situations happen. Let's say Georgia wins, uh, Houston beats Cincy, Iowa beats Michigan, and Baylor beats Uh, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame is the two seed. And (laughs) who's your three and your four? I suppose Baylor and Alabama. Maybe Michigan stays in there. It can get wild, folks. That's what we want to bring up is is how insane um, this could get. Um, And not to cheer for everything. So that's going to be weird because we're going to need two of these things to happen. So we don't care which two happen. We just need it to happen. And in the process, we could end up with more than we bargained for. Um, But at the end of the day, we just want to get into the playoff. Um And we can worry about the rest later. I mean, three seeds ideal. My ideal playoff at this point is Georgia, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. Um, that I would like that. I just don't trust that Oklahoma State wouldn't be jumping Notre Dame. So I don't I want to avoid Georgia round one. And I just I don't know if Oklahoma State wins, if, if they'll stay at number four. Um, but yeah, that's that's the playoff talk. Um, Steve, which which matchup? Are you most forward to watch, like watching of the of the four? Like, is there a game there that intrigues you more than the rest?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I I guess I don't know. Um, I guess I, I'm more intrigued to watch the Big Ten, right? Because if if we were to have a home, if we were to ever join a conference, which we absolutely under no circumstances ever should, but if we were, it would just be logical to join the Big Ten, and in, in my yeah. In my opinion, obviously, um, so that that would be the most intriguing matchup to me. Uh, would would be Iowa versus Michigan. Plus, I want to see Michigan blow it.
0: Yeah, that would be a very Michigan thing to do. Um, and I think Iowa is a good team. Um, I think we've all forgot about them, but they have been quietly good all year, and uh, they play such a, a a typical Big Ten standard of football. Uh, they can give Michigan problems. Um, their defense could really lock Michigan down. And if Michigan um, can't do the same, you know, I could see Iowa winning this game. Um, obviously, they're not going to be betting favorites, uh, but that's certainly not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we've seen Michigan struggle to Penn State. We've seen them lose to Michigan State. I don't think either of those teams are particularly better than Iowa. Like, I'd probably take Iowa to beat both Penn State and Michigan State. Um, Maybe they've played already this year. Uh, My knowledge of the Big Ten doesn't go that deep. But just the way, from what I've seen from the teams, I think Iowa is pretty underrated, and I think they're going to give Michigan a lot of hell. Um, But speaking of hell, uh, Lincoln Riley, announced today, as reported by On3Sports, will be taking... And I'm sorry, everybody. I I don't control this. Don't shoot the messenger. (laughs) He will be taking... The USC head coaching job, it shockwaves. This is the biggest power move, I think, that's been made with coaching since LSU lost Saban to Alabama. Like, this is crazy stuff. Um, Lincoln Riley at one point was discussed for NFL head coaching jobs, and it wasn't sure or clear he would leave Oklahoma for one of them. Um, And I think USC is a better job than Oklahoma, no doubt. But I didn't think it was, to me it was still kind of a lateral move. Um, But the fact that USC went to Oklahoma, they went to another Blue Blood, and they said, I'll be having your coach, thanks. Um, That is some... That is some power move alpha male stuff right there. I got to give credit to the Trojans. That is horrifying that it happened. Um, Steve, you and P seem to have a different opinion of me on Lincoln Riley. I think he is an offensive genius. You guys think he's a bit overrated. Do you want to kind of explain that to that point?
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, wow, whoop-de-doo. In, in a conference with absolutely no defense whatsoever, you know, you uh... – you you have teams that put up a lot of points, and then anytime you face anyone in the playoffs, you get absolutely waxed, right? Like, all of the—again, you, you, I have put the metric up on Twitter. They are 0-4 in the playoff, and they have, I think, at least two losses worse than Notre Dame by point yep. difference, right? So you yep. want to talk about this big program— you know, historically, that just absolutely blows it and can't win the big game. It's like, you know, that stink is definitely down in Norman as well, or at least it should be if people are being intellectually honest, which we know they never will be when it comes to no Dame. Yeah. But... Anyway, I mean, so this is a guy that he's, he's never really won the big game. I mean, yeah, you won a couple of big 12 championships. Like that's the equivalent of, of, you know, the, uh, the Massachusetts state championship for me for like high school football. Like, I think you're probably going to see a better game here than, than in the big 12. So, and then uh, for me, it's like, you're at a program where historically you were basically guaranteed 10 wins. You were basically guaranteed a, a conference title shot. And then if you won your conference title, there was a really good chance you were gonna make it to the playoff. And they, they obviously have four times already. Now you're going to the SEC and and I think he's just saying like, oh shit, we're an eight and four program in the SEC. We're a seven and five program in the SEC if they play like they did this year. Maybe even six and six. And it's like, okay, cool, you got all these fancy recruits and everything, and you can put up forty five points a game, you're going to get scored seventy against Alabama. Against, you know, even Ole Miss would put up numbies against them. I mean, come on. So it's like, I mean, look at LSU. They're, they, they, even in their down year, they, they just knock off Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a a building and pretty damn good program. Like you, the, you, they were a big fish in a small pond and now they are a decent sized fish moving into the ocean. And he realized, in my opinion, he's like. I'm out. I'm not going to tarnish my legacy while, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go out to the PAC 12, which is also a poverty conference with realistically two to three schools that even stand a chance at a, at a title every year or any sort of national relevance, USC being one of them by default, because you're just going to get better recruits that just want to go to LA. Why yep. beyond me, but we'll get to that in a couple of segments. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but so, at the end of the day, I think it, it, for me and for for Mr. Wagon, who agrees with me, this is Lincoln Riley taking the easy way out and it's like, okay, cool. you're gonna go from a you know, a program that this year went four and seven. they're they're probably gonna go four and eight. and maybe you get them to seven and five, maybe you get them to eight and four. Maybe you even get them to nine and three, but it's just, I don't know. I, I think he'll be out of a job within four years because the expectations for him are so high. You know, that he's, you know, I, I believe it might have been Joel Clatt, but I, I can't remember. So I do, I do want to give credit, but I just don't have the memory for it, as everyone knows. Someone mentioned that most programs, 95% of college football programs are six-year rebuilds. And that's why you have to give credit for Nebraska skip, sticking by Scott Frost. And Nebraska went three and nine this year, but all nine of their losses have been by one score or less. 2016 Nebraska, Notre Dame. Yeah, exactly correct. 2016 Notre Dame. And look what happened when we stuck by Brian Kelly. We've now had five consecutive seasons or ten wins or more. So I think that Nebraska low-key is could potentially gonna win the conference next year. Or at least compete Whoa. for it. They're going to compete for it. That's a bomb. I I think they are an eight to ten win team next year. So but that's because it takes a while to resurrect these programs and USC. Yeah. Like we've already mentioned, we even mentioned the the talking point leading up to the game as a preview, they are naturally inherently going to get high prospects, but when you don't have a winning culture and when you don't have a team that can cut, like if you don't have that, the right mentality, you know, all your stars are for nothing.
0: So So what you're
1: saying, Steve is that
0: Lincoln Riley could end up being Charlie Weiss. Really exactly. great recruiting classes, great offenses, but utterly dog shit everywhere else. Exactly. Um, okay, so I'll I'll push back. Um, with the Nebraska thing, the potential's there because they're in the Big Ten West, and you can win so many of those games by just not being Purdue or Indiana. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you could win those. Those are all winnable games. Um, okay, I'll push back here. I think the Pac-12 being easier... And an easier path to the playoff, both in a four-team playoff situation and in an expanded playoff. Because in the expanded playoff, every conference champion um, of the uh, the Power Would Five plus bid. one is an auto bid, and then the highest four get a buy. That's the proposal. So, in both of that situation, the the Pac-12 and USC is way easier, and I think that factors into it because I think that's part of the appeal of USC is that you get to go be the only power in the Pac-12, and then you get to compete against Oregon and Notre Dame um, on a yearly basis. However, what I'll push back on is I don't think he's afraid of the SEC. I think it's more... The USC job is way more appealing, partially because it's easier, but not entirely. And also, I'm not afraid of the SEC. And And this is what I'll say. So people are looking at... Look, oh, he left Oklahoma right before they were going to the SEC, and he turned down LSU, who's in the SEC. Therefore, he's afraid of the SEC. I don't agree with that because, like I've said a million times on Twitter, USC is a better job than LSU. I just, If you got those two offers, USC is the better job, partially because it's easier, but for so many other reasons um, as well. I don't think he would be afraid to go to the SEC with Oklahoma. Um, or even LSU, because LSU is one of the top three teams kind of historically in the SEC, um, and even in, in certain in recent memory. Um, I don't think that's the case. Uh, yes, it would be harder, but there are reasons USC is appealing even over Oklahoma. It's in Los Angeles. It's a way easier recruiting job. Oklahoma right now has multiple five-star recruits from Southern California. Like, think about the job he could do there, right? Um, you're at one of the bluest bloods in the sport, LA, USC, the Coliseum, it's sexy, right? You want to, you're going to get ratings. You're going to get national appeal. um, And you're always going to have that path to the playoff. I think that is independent of I'm afraid to play in the SEC. I think the PAC 12 being easier is certainly part of it. um, But I think USC came in and offered a stupid amount of money. And I think if it wasn't for the money, um, he probably stays at Oklahoma. And I think he would go to the SEC there. Um, I don't think he's crazy for leaving. I think he's a genius for leaving because USC, we've said, is that. Oh, no, giant?
1: I think he's a genius for leaving because I think he knows he was going to get exposed if he stayed. That's possible. Uh, that's possible. That, that's um, that's you know me and Mr. Wagon's take on it. And, and that's kind of the beauty of the show is diversity of opinion. And this is why you're going to get a whole bunch of viewpoints. And a whole bunch of different tweets. <laughs> exactly, uh, correct. Yeah, as you guys are following us on game day or even just talking about anything throughout the week, if you notice that there are three totally and completely different tones and viewpoints that all contradict each other, that's because you have three idiots on one Twitter account., <laughs> yeah, that's the charm of it. Um, okay, so let's talk about the implications
0: of this. So, um Lincoln Riley is a good recruiter. i don't I don't think there's too much doubt to that. Um, and he's been doing it at a program that doesn't have a lot to offer. That's the sad thing. And I'm sorry for Oklahoma, but Norman is probably worse than South Bend, <laughs> which is saying something. Um, it's, it's Oklahoma. You're in the middle of nowhere. Um, speaking of cities I don't want to live in. Um, and on top of that, it's not a natural football producing state. And it's not a high academic school. So, like, what are you pitching these kids other than, yeah, we can get you to the NFL and we can compete? Sure. So, Ohio State and Alabama and LSU and Florida and Notre Dame and Michigan and USC. Like, what makes Oklahoma special? And, I mean, there's reports that what they do there is they, like, show off fancy cars and they have celebrities come. And it's, like, that's all fluff. At USC, if you're doing that and winning at Oklahoma, like winning recruits, boy, you're going to have a much easier time at USC because USC, for one, is a good private school. Second of all, you're in Los Angeles. You do not have to appeal um, to the Norman crowd, right? You've, you've got a, a, a city that attracts a lot of young people. Um, on top of that, you're at such a historic place, um, too, at USC. You've got that same history pitch Oklahoma would have. So I think recruiting is going to get a lot better for USC, and that's always been my fear. That's why I didn't want Urban Meyer there. Um, and I think Lincoln Riley poses that threat. Do you agree with the recruiting aspect? Um, and if if you do, is it just the footballing aspect uh, that that you think isn't a problem?
1: I, yeah, that's the thing. Is I think he un- undoubtedly, like I, I'll give him the credit. He's gonna bring them from a four and eight program into a perennial eight plus, you know, win program, most likely. But I think by the time that he can even get to relevance, he will be fired. Because the expectations are so high, right? It's like you're Lincoln Riley. But you're you're the guy that wins say, We're the program. You're right. I'll let you go. I I'm I sorry to cut
0: you off all the time, <laughs> but I I'll, I just want to add something for you to consider. Okay, not like a just something for you to think about. With the exception of this class, the last class, USC has had very good classes, and we've talked about their like uh, roster score in terms of like the recruiting they've done is often just up there with us. Their issues also been development. They've been recruiting a little worse than they should be. Instead of number one, they're number ten. But the development's the issue. So, do you think it's going to take four years, or do you think he's already got the talent there to kind of make a run?
1: Yeah, that, that's what I. I think he'll have the talent to make a pretty quick turnaround. But to be at national relevance and to even be at at conference relevance for the uh, the SEC, the SEC for the Pac-12 South. That's not all locked up with Utah looking like, uh, you know, they, they they have some staying power there. So, uh, and, and who knows with, with, uh, you know, you know, Stanford can potentially rebound. They've had had some down years and, and, you know, if they can get a fresh coach in there and, and mix things up, they may, you know, they they might be three to four years away from kind of s- starting to become a competitor again as well. Arizona state is, is always kind of like, yeah, who knows? So, uh, and then UCLA is, is frisky. They're frisky, so I, I I just yeah. I mean, will they get better? Absolutely. Um, I, and, and in a way, I I'm excited about it. I want the Notre Dame USC games to mean more. I want them to be ranked when when they come to South Bend or when we go out to LA. You know, those those games were so fun. You know, think about the Sam Darnold game, or, or the uh, the game where you know in, in South Bend where you know, Josh Adams broke off that massive run and it, it just yeah. kind of sealed everything. Right. And, and those were oftentimes, uh, especially when we go out to LA for Thanksgiving weekend, that's usually the last game of the year. And that's like, are we going to get into the playoff or not? Right. You think of the Tony Jones screen pass that, that, you know, propelled us into the playoff effectively. And that was such an exciting matchup. So in a manner of speaking, yeah, I do want USC to be an eight, nine, 10 win team. I just don't want them to be an 11 or 12 win team.
0: No, that's exactly it. I want I want USC to be um, a top 10, 15 team, but I don't want to lose to them. That's my yeah, exactly. issue with Lincoln Riley is, yeah, he's going to bring them back to prominence, and what I fear is it's going to be more than just prominence. I think uh, I, I'm worried that could be, A, a direct threat to us in the series. Like, you know, they could... Them beating us is a bad thing. And then, B, I think USC uh, could win a national championship. And before everybody freaks out, do you guys not remember what USC was 15 years ago? Um, I wasn't even watching college football, and I still know what they were. That was a powerhouse. Um, it didn't last as long as the Saban-Bama dynasty, which is still fucking ongoing, might I add. Ugh. Um, but just it, from, like, 04 to a certain period of time there, uh, even before 04, they claim 03, um, they were unbelievable. They were an unbelievable program, and they were recruiting guys like... Matt Leinhart, who admitted he grew up a Notre Dame fan. Uh, Reggie Bush. Um, that That's my concern. Is
1: Lendale, get... White, friggin' L- uh, Lofa uh Troy Palomalu. I mean, the list goes on and on.
0: Well, and they dominated Hawaii, which has not been the case recently. In fact, Notre Dame, ever since Manti It'd Teo, be has... yeah. we've been taking a lot out of Hawaii. So you worry about that. You worry about your pipelines in California. We've talked about it before. Uh, do we still have Tyler Buckner? do we still have Isaiah Foskey like CJ
1: Williams is now Williams. a
0: potential flip back so that's that's part of my concern there too is USC being a better recruiting team also hinders Notre Dame's ability to go in and get kids um so that that's part of it too um but you know what even if you guys are critical of it uh which you rightfully are um you don't think he's necessarily the slam dunk uh surefire hit that I think he is. I think we all, we would all recognize that USC made a good move here though. Um, oh yeah. I, I would
1: say he's very good, just not amazing. And I, that's where I'm drawing my distinction. He, to me, he, I didn't know he was on the market, but if he was,
0: he's the top coach on the college football market. Like I'd take him over fickle. I'd take him over, um, uh, James Franklin. I would take him over Matt Campbell. I, I, I think he's a top five coach in college football. Um, maybe he's top 15 for the rest of you, but I think USC couldn't have done any better here. Uh, and I hate that they did it. Um, but that, that is what it is. So, um, with that, let's, let, let's, get into some mailbag and some shenanigans here. Um, have a little fun to finish off the podcast since we are sitting at home this week, waiting for the conferences to determine their artificial Mickey mouse winner. Um, uh. because of course conferences are Mickey mouse trophies. Um, we asked everybody on Twitter in a poll question, uh, do you think Notre Dame will make the college football playoff? And I absolutely love the results of this poll. It started off a hot 9-1 to one in favor of yes, and we have seen a lot of poll movement uh, with about 120 votes in, which is a decent sample size. It's 53% yes, 47% no, and that's where I lean. I think it's 50-50 Notre Dame gets in. I said I, I think that was the case Last week as well. I don't think anything has gotten better or worse for Notre Dame. We just now know what we need. Um, So I think there's a 50% 50 chance um, we get into the playoff. That seems to be what most of you think as well. You're either on the yes side or the no side at a 50% rate. Um, Steve, gun to your head right now, are we making the playoff?
1: Yes. I am counting on Oklahoma State or Michigan to blow it they're just not teams that i trust that are that are going to have the mental fortitude to live up to the expectations nor mentally and then physically like are they good enough flat out to just like win these games 8 out of 10 times no i think it's closer to 60 40 and if you're giving me a 40% chance and you nice. have yep, yep t- two times and you have a lot of pressure and expectations and the mentality of these kids who are as a reminder, 18 to 21 years old. Sorry, man. I just, I think, especially in this year, it's it's just absolutely insane. There's been so many upsets and losses and everything. And yeah, I, chaos, the The rule this year has been chaos ensues. And there's been almost no exception to that rule so far. So I'm going to stick with it. So my question to you is, when
0: Alabama plays Georgia, do we want a close game running the risk that a two-loss Bama could somehow stay ahead of Notre Dame or do we want a blowout guaranteeing Alabama is gone but making us scared as hell to play Georgia what what there is worse for you like what would you rather on uh Saturday or Sunday whenever they're going to play this game uh, uh what what kind of
1: outcome do you want in that one a happy medium i want i, I honestly if if it's like i don't know 20 to 7 17 to six, like, I mean, you think about it, Alabama just struggled mightily, mightily. They scored six points in regulation, did they not? No, wait, uh, that's impossible. No, 10, ten points, yeah, they ten points 10. in regulation uh, against yeah. Auburn. I mean, and they had a missed field goal, too. So because of a bad snap. But I mean, regardless, I mean, basically you round up and let's just say they make that that kick. And, and even if it still goes overtime, they scored 13 in regulation on the road against Auburn right that's you know that georgia's going to travel well uh to the sec championship game cuz it's going to sure. be in the in the uh, the dome there in in atlanta mm-hmm. um so it's just i don't know I, I i expect maybe a 60 40 maybe even 65 35 uga crowd because they're absolutely insane down in athens this is their year um I don't, but i don't want georgia to put up like 40 but if if we can get like a you know, 17 to three Georgia win, where it's just like, there was no doubt in our minds that, that Alabama just isn't it. Like they were a paper tiger. And then we can effectively eliminate them from the conversation and say, they, you know, if you look back at their wins, they're really not great. And if you look back at their losses or, you know, they, they were not very good whatsoever. um, Then I I think that's gonna, that's gonna go a long way for, uh, for kind of eliminating them but then, with Georgia, if if they only look like they can score 17 to 20 against an extremely good defense, because you know Alabama's defense is still extremely good, I think that will lend more credence to our idea, which is it's a race to 20 if we play them. Yeah, uh, here's
0: the reason I bring it up is last week we all thought, oh, Michigan beating Ohio State, there's no risk in that, but then it happened, and watching the game, we all started thinking. Oh God, is Ohio State gonna stay ahead of Notre Dame? And it just it, it, I just bring it up because you think one thing going into it and then it actually happens and you realize there are more possibilities than you thought. Um, and, and this leads into my next question. Um, so I will uh, answer'll'll I'll, I'll list it here because we did mailbag. Um, this is from our friend Benny at Benny underscore six on Twitter. Uh, Benny's big fan of the show, big friend of the show uh, that's reciprocated Benny. love to have you. Um, so he asks, would you rather play Georgia, Michigan or Cincinnati in the playoffs uh, slash bowl? But let's just go with the playoffs here. And the reason I bring I, I led that into the Michigan thing is um, I'll give I'll give you my answer first. The answer is Cincinnati because we know what Cincinnati is. I think Cincinnati could beat Michigan if they played each other, but We don't really know what Michigan is because we haven't played them. We've played Cincinnati. I know we can beat Cincinnati. I think we could beat Michigan, but Michigan will beat Ohio State. Um, I just, I I don't know if, how we match up with Michigan. I do know we match up with Cincinnati. So for the certainty there, I think Cincinnati is the more likely win. I also think we could blow out Michigan. Like, I don't know what happens in that Notre Dame-Michigan game, but I do know how Cincinnati-Notre Dame looks. And I'll take the devil I know. Uh, versus the devil I don't, if that makes sense.
1: Notre Dame beat Cincinnati 31-14. Notre Dame beats, they they, they beat them by yep. two touchdowns. And and that's that's also why I, I echo the sentiment at you know, choosing Cincinnati in this scenario. And then Michigan would obviously be the second. You know, right? Like, like far and away, Georgia, we understand is the number one. Um, now, th- there is something to say that it's just like, it, it would be really cool to play our, bitter 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 very hated rival um you know in a, in a playoff game and e- and if we were to beat them and not only get the you know kind of the stink off our back but also just like rub their their face in it i mean we're talking about me starting to get extraordinarily sexually aroused <laughs> so it's just I, I that would be really really fun but I think there's more of a risk that we lose to Michigan than we lose to Cincinnati I think if we play Cincinnati 10 times we're we're winning seven out of 10 of the games
0: probably yeah I even, agree
1: probably even eight
0: yeah I, I think it's Cincinnati no doubt because I know we can beat them um let, let, let I'm gonna ask you a question from Dave Hodges um or it's more of a comment um some people agree with him some people have been calling him 10 ply Uh, it's for the listeners to decide and Steve, I want you to respond to it because you were in this camp at one point. So you would, you would have the best answer. Mm -hmm. So he says, responding to, should we be in the playoff or can we make it? He says, maybe, but why we would, and I quote here, we would be going in at a four seed only most likely that is true by the way, uh, to get beat by 30 by Georgia. Go win a bowl game and keep Mojo going into the opening game next year. If they could get to three, then I would love a Cincinnati rematch. Let's just focus on the I'd rather not be the four seed and instead play a bowl game. Steve, you were once in that camp, so I want you to address it from your perspective.
1: I was in that camp when we were seeing Georgia blow everybody out and we were seeing Notre Dame have struggled you know, off with our offensive line midway through the season, even against, you know, USC and UNC, like they, Preach, we won those brothers. games. Yeah. yeah. We won those games convincingly and we still like, didn't even play great. And, and at that point I was like, yeah, we are trending in the right direction We're you know, we're winning all the games we need to. Uh, but if you asked me at that time, I was like, no, we will put up a maximum of 10 points against that Georgia team. And they will put up, at least 20 against us and likely it would be like 30 to 10 at that point. I, at, at that point, right. I just don't see that as going to be the case anymore. And that's why I'm starting to come back. Notre Dame has obviously looked better and better and better. Every single week, offensive line, Kyren's incredible, uh, by and large, with the exception of Avery Davis and, a, you know, a couple of linebackers. Linebackers, uh, Fucking that blast, was, kid.
0: That, that slipped. That was <laughs> bad. <laughs>
1: that's because I've, I've been drinking a little bit of whiskey, so that's when the Boston comes out of me, kid. Um, okay. Pull it back in. Reel it in. Don't be an inbred. Okay. <clears throat> um. So, you know, we have a couple of linebackers that are a little bit banged up. But other than that, we are are fairly healthy and kind of firing on all cylinders heading into to the point uh where playoffs are in contention. Tom Reese has been so much better and so much more effective yeah. at at play calling. Exactly. Like he's made the adjustments. He, you know, Jack Cohn played an unbelievable game against Stanford. And the last couple of weeks he's been on fire. So do I still think that Georgia probably wins six to Out of 10 games against us, do they still most likely beat us? Yeah, but I just, in a game where I foresaw us losing 30-3 to like we did back in 2018, I'm now seeing it to be closer than it was against Bama last year, which was 31-14. Okay, so I wanted to bring up Bama from last year because Bama from last year
0: for me, and that was the only game I've ever taken Notre Dame to lose, is because that was a 1-10 in chance for me. Notre Dame wins that game one of ten times. Mm-hmm. This Georgia game is not that. This Georgia game is four out of ten times Notre Dame wins, maybe three, but a significant enough amount of times out of x amount of games we will win. With the Bama one last year, there was there was very little hope if the game plan wasn't executed perfectly. Exactly. Notre Dame can have an offensive game plan that mixes, and they could beat Georgia. Uh, because Georgia is not going to most likely blow you out with your defense, uh, whereas Alabama did. To beat Alabama, you had to be perfect, uh, and we absolutely were not. Um, so it's not that. I agree with you 100%. Um, here's the thing: How spoiled are we to the point where we're we're 11 and one and we're thinking of refusing a playoff bid? Like next year, folks, listen to me: We play Ohio State and Clemson. There is no guarantee we are in the situation. And next now year, with USC with Lincoln Riley. Or ever again, we don't. We could fall off the face of the earth in two years. We don't know. You take your chances when you get them because even when you have a great roster, injuries happen, flukes happen. You never know when you're going to drop games. We're at eleven and one. I want to get in. Um, another thing is I'm going to take issue with this one. Go win a bowl game and keep mojo going for the opening game next year. No, no. Here's the thing. You want the hard, cold truth? Recruits care about you getting into the playoff. They don't care if you win the Sugar Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl. You get into the playoffs, it helps your recruiting. It helps you keep C.J. Williams. It helps you go flip uh, uh, Sonny Styles. Junior to Halamaka. It, it, it makes you get Dante more, because Michigan might be in the playoff too, and that's, if that's a Notre Dame-Michigan battle, you want to be right there. Um, We're talking about Carnell Tate's thinking about Notre Dame. These are some high-level recruits. Xavier and Wampa. You want, exactly. You want to be... In the playoff, you want that exposure, you want to compete. I will take a Georgia team that I am a 14 point underdog against, no problem. No problem for me. Like to me, the opportunity to win a national championship is worth a slight embarrassment on another big stage because who cares? If the playoffs can expand to 12, so, like, we're going to be hopefully in the playoff more. Take your chances when you can get them. It's only going to get harder. When you have 12, sure, we get in harder. We got to go through three or four rounds of playoffs. Uh, this, so it's different. It's different. I, I, I'm I totally not with Dave there. Um, yeah,
1: I agree. And and then I guess to wrap up our thoughts, uh, to be as succinct as possible, what though the odds be great or small, I'm going to let you take it.
0: All Notre Dame, win overall. Exactly. So. That That's who we are. The Notre Dame, everything about us, the moniker, the Fighting Irish is about resiliency. It's about, like the Irish in Ireland when they came over, was discrimination and, and, and being kept down and fighting back. That's the Notre Dame program. Notre Dame was almost... Uh, destroyed by Michigan in the early 1900s when they stopped playing us. Uh, every Notre Dame history historical moment has often been us as the underdog. Miami in '88, we were the we were probably the underdog in that game. '93 um, Florida State, we were probably the underdog in that game. Uh, you think about like breaking Oklahoma's winning streak twice. Mi- Oklahoma lost twice in a decade, both to Notre Dame. They lost, started another series, and then lost to Notre Dame again. We uh that's who we are. That we don't put we don't stop from a fight. That's why we're the fighting Irish. Like this this uh weak mentality I think I see from people kind of drives me nuts because that's that's not what Notre Dame is. But anyway, carrying on. Uh Drew Brennan, uh host of the Exit 77 podcast, check that one out. They ask uh or he asks If Marcus Freeman doesn't take a head coaching job this year, do you think that says something about his head coaching future at Notre Dame? Um, For him, he thinks there's too many jobs right now, and he thinks he leaves this summer. Um, So let's break that into two. We'll say, one, does Marcus Freeman leave this summer? And if he doesn't, do we think that says something about him staying at Notre Dame as a head coach in the future?
1: Let me do it. Let me do it. I know this is an audio podcast. Just deal with me. See, look, look, visual evidence. I'm on my knees, <laughs> 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 praying, <laughs> fucking praying that this man does not ever leave before coming becoming head coach, which I think is the inevitable. Marcus, please, for the love of God, just stay. And I get that there's a lot of quote-unquote jobs out there. Spoiler alert: most of those jobs are ass. Most of those jobs are are you're you're just not gonna be able to compete because there's the the power imbalance at this point. Well, and the good jobs are probably too good for him. Like I don't think LSU's hiring him to be
0: their head coach. Yeah. I think the types of head coach jobs he'd be looking at would be group of five teams or weaker power five teams, like a like an Indiana. Like you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. I, I I don't think he's in contention for the Florida job. Um, yep. so yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going on to the top tier programs. They're, they're just not taking you on. So you're going to go into the middle tier and then you're just, you're kind of off into oblivion at that point. And he's an incredibly talented coach and he'll probably make whatever team he goes to better. Absolutely. He will. He's an incredible recruiter. He's an incredible coach. We almost to a point. We all, with the exception of a badly timed interception, we almost did not give up a fucking touchdown in the month of November, 2012 type shit. So he's incredible. I love him. He's the man, Marcus. Please, for the love of God, stay. And if he does, which I believe that he would, because I think you know Brian Kelly's 61 years old, and and yeah, I mean Nick Nick Saban's 70. You know the coaches can go in, uh, it's until you know their their late 60s or early 70s i I think brian um i I think he's getting to a point he's he's quite content in life. Yeah. seems like he's probably on his way out by the time he turns sixty five um, i I think you just one you just build yourself more of a, a reputation. you know you think of Brent Venables right now, anyone would love to have brent venables and and l s u would take venables, right. Yeah, if if Venables if Venables wants any coaching job, I th- I think he gets it. Uh, <laughs> if get, Brent get Edibles the best level of caliber as a coordinator yeah. first, and but I think by the time that happens, Kelly will be gone, and then you know he'll be the next head coach in order Dame, and I absolutely unequivocally want that. That would just that would be the best. I want Marcus Riemann as the head coach in about two years' time, and I think in about two years' time he'll have plenty of jobs that he can take on the table. You know, there's still plenty of schools and and at that point, there will be plenty of top end schools because either guys will be getting fired, taking a new job or going to the NFL. <laughs> you know, college football is cyclical. You'll get another shot. Please just stay, build a name for yourself. And I think by the time you do, you'll be head coach in Notre Dame and and that's the the penultimate job, right? So that's that's my pitch to him if he's listening. I know he, he is he's he's our best friend. Let's face it.
0: All right, so I I agree. I don't think he's leaving. I I don't think there's an enticing enough head coaching job to want him. I think he's done an excellent job, but I don't think he was – I think he's been great all year, but I don't think he's been, like, coordinator of the year all year. Like, I don't think he had clearly established – and it's going to take time, too. I mean, you could see the development. He's a fantastic coach, and I don't want him to leave. I just don't think he's becoming a power – top-of-the-elite head coaching candidate yet. I think if Ohio State were to have a job vacancy if Ryan Day goes to the NFL, I think that's Luke Fickle's job. Maybe he tries to bring Freeman on as a DC, but I don't see Freeman going lateral for a DC. I think he's only leaving for a head coaching gig. Um, and I just don't think that's coming. So I think uh, I do disagree with your assessment there. I, I, not yours, Steve, with the questions. Um, I, I do think he's staying. What does that say long term? I don't think that necessarily means anything. I think just, you know, keep waiting until a big program is coming. Uh, I don't. I think the fear of losing him after one year was maybe just fear. It might have not have been in reality at all. I think maybe Freeman did plan on staying here a couple of years. Um, but he's not going to stay here forever. So I think that Notre Dame is going to make him their next head coach. If I were to put a bet on who succeeds Kelly, I think it's going to be Marcus Freeman. Um, I'm curious if Tom Reese will still be around for that. Um, I would absolutely love for Joe Brady, the man who orchestrated the LSU National Championship offensively, to be brought in in some capacity as offensive coordinator or as co-coach. I don't care. That's my, That's my dream scenario. Um, And it's not even Urban Meyer anymore, my because we, if you guys recall, it was a season or two ago. Steve and I had a fun Urban Meyer debate on the podcast. I think we've moved past Urban Meyer. Uh, my my ideal future is Freeman Brady. Um huh. So, yeah, I think I think he's not going anywhere, and I do think it doesn't necessarily mean anything for his head coaching future at Notre Dame. But I also think he will be the next head coach at Notre Dame. I think he'll stay around for another year or two, and I think Kelly is going to be gone within the next three years. Um, I, I And honestly, if we were to win the national championship this year, I would not be surprised if Kelly just said, all right, I'm done. Right off of the sunset. And, yeah. and as he should, as he should, he's dealt with a lot of bullshit here um, from his own fans, from national media, from other fans. Um, like him or not, or love him or not, you're going to have to respect him by the end of it. And I think if he just wins and takes off, no problem there. Congratulations yeah. on a great
1: career. And he does deserve significantly more adoration and, and respect and, uh, you know, just gratefulness because I mean, we, you look, we could have been a dead program. We could have been. Yeah. I, yeah. As I've yeah. said, I think in the last couple of weeks, LSU, USC, Florida, Clemson, um, you know, Michigan up until this year was, was just a middling. Michigan state has been by and large dead. Penn state just cannot catch traction think you know oklahoma now they're in disarray right now texas Texas, stinks miami miami horrible stanford can't get anything done nebraska i you know they're it took them decades to finally get and they're three and nine and i'm I'm actually high on them for next year to maybe go like eight and four right so it's just like tennessee dead You know, Georgia is, you know, one call away from having their coach go to the NFL and then becoming, you know, a middling SEC program again.
0: Or one NCAA recruiting violation reporting away from losing everything.
1: That might be it, too. Knock on wood. Alabama, Uh, (laughs) one old guy who's 70 years old and who should just be six feet under at this point away. From being uh, potentially threatened at their dynasty, right? So it's just, it's, you know, this this is total is what I'm getting at. A hundred percent. Sorry, Steve, but this is total hearsay.
0: But I have a a colleague of mine who went to the University of Georgia, and I told him the rumors we've heard about Georgia recruiting. And he's like, yeah, I've kind of heard that, too. That's just hearsay. Don't write a report based on that, but... I think George's time is coming up pretty soon, um, if anybody has the guts to say anything. Um, all right. One more question, Steve. Yep. Um, P-Wagon asked this one. Uh, so it's, it, it, it's actually for me, um, but I, I invite you to, to comment on this since you're a person with opinions. Um, so... He says, outside of New York, Boston, and Chicago, I don't know why he picked those three, but with the exception of those three cities, where would I, Dylan, move if I had to move to the States, referring to the United States of America? Um, so I need your opinion here, because um, I, of course, know the United States fairly well, been around a bit, but uh, not too much. How would you answer that question? I want to hear your take first because I know what it's not.
1: Am um, I answering for me or am I answering for you? Uh, for you.
0: Just tell for me what you think. I already
1: have my answer. Yeah. Next next year, uh, and I would like to pre-qualify this statement since my wife is listening. Um, you know, in in the game of life, you make plans and then God laughs at you, right? So like and anything uh, disclaimer, anything can change at any moment in time. So that let's let that be heard. But next year, uh, I will most likely, if I had it my way, it would be, the odds would be 100% moving to Charleston, South Carolina. So that's, uh, it's a coastal city. It's warm. I can play a ton of golf. Uh, I'm going to be able to work remotely. Uh, wifey is in healthcare. She can work anywhere in the world. So like it, you know, it's just, it's a small town. We're small town, town vibe kind of people. That's why we love Boston. It's just, Boston is just too expensive. So, you know, that's, that's kind of like the rationale behind it. Um, you know, and and that's what kind of just suits us. So if I were going to answer for me, obviously that's, that's where I would land. If I wanted to answer for you, I was actually going to quiz you and and ask you a handful of questions first. And then after building my profile, I could make a recommendation. You know what, let's do that. Let's do that. Um,
0: so for me, I, I interpret this question as major cities, so we're sticking to kind of the ones that would have like a franchise or or, or large enough for everybody to know. Um, so I'll yeah, you ask me my criteria, what I'm interested in, and see if you can profile me because I've I've listed a few cities I'm interested in, but uh, I want to I want to I want to hear your opinions.
1: Okay, uh, first things first, you are Canadian, so that means that you've never not been in snow every single day of your life. I'm pretty sure it just snows 24/7 up there. Um, do you want a temperate climate? Okay. Do you, do you want a warmer climate? Do you want a colder climate or do you want to experience all four seasons?
0: So I'm actually, I don't really care about that, um, too much. I'm kind of open to whatever. Um, it can't get more wintry than it already is. Um, but I w I don't think I would miss it if I, if I didn't get, uh, winter anymore either like I, I i don't think weather. i'm looking at my list and there is a bit of a theme of warmer weather but um i'm not going to because I, I would probably pick boston he excluded boston but that's i've got a little bit of a detachment there i like boston i like new england it's very close to where i'm from in canada um so yeah weather's not a big deal for me i'm kind of mm-hmm. comfortable with whatever
1: yeah but i mean boston i i can't speak highly enough of it i love the city i it actually is is kind of heartbreaking for me that i think I'm going to end up moving most likely, but it neither here nor there. Um, okay. So we're taking climate out of the picture. Uh, next question. Are you comfortable with having an extraordinary, like, do you get any sort of anxiety? Are you comfortable with being around a ton of people? Like if, if you're in uh, you know, large crowds, you know, traffic being a lot, or even just walking on the streets, if there's tons of people around you, what's your comfort level with that?
0: Yeah, I'm comfortable with that um I'm I've lived in cities for a couple years now, and I'll be living in Toronto eventually. So yeah, Toronto's the fourth biggest city in North America. So um, yeah, I'll
1: be fine. Toronto's in North America. <laughs> I'm <laughs> fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we've uh, so we have got population density, and we okay. have um and, and we have uh, climate. Now let's go to uh, nature. Uh, it, are you one to be, you know, skiing, snowboarding a lot? Are you one that wants to go on a bunch of hikes, maybe, uh, you know, walking a lot, uh, golf, is that something that's, that's kind of in the picture? Cause that, I, I feel like that's a very, you know, nature, uh, centric thing. So do you like being outside a lot or are you perfectly fine with kind of just like being in, uh, you know, densely populated areas and, and kind of, you know, concrete jungle?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a bonus, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, building around it. okay um, I but you did make me think of a city now that you bring that up that would be that would be pretty cool. um this is this is enlightening. I like these questions. Um okay. for me, it's probably more fitting in a bit uh, with culture and stuff, like not that we're too different culturally, but um, like I'm just trying to think like like I actually don't think I'd like to live in Los Angeles. Uh, I think that's just too much. It's too hot and there's too many people hot. Uh, Uh, I I don't mind warmer weather and I do have a, a, maybe a a California city listed, but it it wouldn't be LA. Like there's some places I don't think I fit. Um, so that's kind of my main focus. And I've, I've got, let's see, I got five written down currently, um, of major cities. Like I'm sure I could live in some random town somewhere, but of the main ones, I've got five.
1: Okay. All right. Makes sense. I'm just looking at the map of the U S right now. Um, and then I guess one of the last questions I have importance of being in a city with major f- sports franchises.
0: Uh not too important because I will only go if it's my franchise. Like I'm like, uh, like I don't go to Montreal Canadian games cause I live here. You know, I like I'll go when my team comes, but I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not hardened
1: by that. Okay. All right. So I have a couple of recommendations. All right, I'm going to give you, you five recommendations in in okay. no particular order. I'm just looking at the map and whatever I see, I'm firing at the hip. Okay. Okay. Uh, first recommendation is San Jose, basically Bay Area of of California. Okay. You know, San Francisco could be included here, not not particular certain if you want to live in San Francisco or just kind of in the area, you know, Tech Valley whatever that is. Okay, so that's one. Okay. Second is Denver. Yep. Third recommendation is Minneapolis or Twin Cities. Okay. Next recommendation would be Philadelphia. Okay. And then final recommendation is going to be Washington, D.C.
0: Interesting. Okay, so two of your recommendations are on my list. Um, So I was trying to put together a, a list of cities while we were talking um, I had San Fran, maybe my number one. Um, it's not L.A., so San Jose, I would count that too. That area seems really nice, uh, not too big, but also it's like beautiful city, California. Um, I wrote down Denver when you brought up areas uh, to do things like skiing. Um, Colorado, I think is actually a really beautiful state. Um, here's one I'm sure you'll hate: Seattle. Um, Seattle to me. Uh, the only issue with Seattle and San Fran is I don't really want to live on the West coast Uh, East Eastern time zones, the best time zone. Um, but Seattle is pretty Canadian. Like it's very similar to Vancouver. Um, so that I would kind of fit in easier there.
1: I I was actually going to throw Seattle on the list. Oh, I, I, I'm always been intrigued by Seattle and would want to visit there. I just personally wouldn't want to live there, but. All right. So here's two ones. I don't think you would have thought
0: for me. Uh, and they're a little different. One is Miami. I knew I'm
1: going to go with Miami, man.
0: I I'm interested in Miami. It seems like a lot of fun. Um I don't know. It would be in it be in my top 10. At so least.
1: You thought uh, that LA was too hot, but not Miami?
0: Yeah. Well, I, LA I get like a muggy feeling. Like I feel like the city is just so many people, utter and so complained. many cars.
1: Utter. Really? so so there's practically no humidity out in LA. That's why they consider it perfect weather. It's basically 80 and sunny every day with low humidity. Miami is basically a salt marsh.
0: Interesting. I think the interest for Miami is like the partying and also like the rate right on the Atlantic, which I yeah. kind of like being an East Coast guy. I kind of like the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one, Dallas. Um, I okay. don't think of Texas of as a place. I'm I'm Canadian. Uh, open carry states scare me a bit. <laughs> um, but uh, Dallas is. Seems to be actually quite nice. Um, the, the whole Dallas Fort Worth area. I am a Cowboys fan, of course, but like it does seem pretty uh advanced. Like it seems like a pretty like um developed city. Like it's not 1800s rural Texas, like I think a lot of people think Texas is. Like Dallas yeah. is a massive city. Um, seems to be a good business industry as well. So yeah, I, I had listed those uh five and uh I, I think they're all great. Um, but the truth is, I'm probably not leaving. <laughs> I like it here. Um, I mean, there's always a lot of money in New York, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I should ask you guys for next week where in Canada you want to live.
1: That actually is going to be a fantastic segment because knowing Mr. Wagon and his answers, it's going to get absolutely loopy. Yeah, I, I think. But I also think that's a good time
0: to uh, to stop the show. Um, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, if you like and support the podcast, uh, consider making monthly contributions through listener support on anchor. You could find the link to that in the description below and on our pinned tweet. Uh, Any kind of contribution there helps us sustain what we're doing um, and keeps putting out quality content Um, like five-star review on podcast, you know, the whole, the whole ordeal. um, And we greatly appreciate it. So Steve, is there anything you want to say before we sign off? Um, Let me double check. One Google search can be four seconds. All right. Four seconds. In that four seconds, uh, listeners or people on Twitter, uh, tweet at us what cities you'd recommend I live in, um, and we'll we'll contemplate them, and uh, I'm sure Steve will give a glowing review of all of them.
1: Okay. Um. All right, I can't find it, but I, I thought there was an early signing day that happened in December. Am I crazy?
0: Yeah. Yep, no. What is that? Uh, I don't know the specific date, but I do believe it is December. I think it's right after um, some of the... Bull stuff? Oh, yeah. that's a good question. The early, early signing period.
1: Yeah, that that's what I was looking up. I mean, we, whatever. I don't have the date, but that that should be coming up. And with that coming up, uh, you know, Notre Dame is expected to, um, you know, as they historically typically do, they have most guys signed and enrolled. Um, you know, usually at this point at early signing day. So as that kind of happens, we will definitely cover recruiting. So uh, that might be the second or third week of December, but that's kind of on your scheduled programming. So get ready for that. We're going to, we're going to have a couple of, uh, you know, some fun over the next couple of weeks. So, so be sure to tune in, share, like, subscribe five-star review, because what happens is we piss off a bunch of different fan bases. And then what they'll do out of spite is just like go to our link and then just like bomb us in the reviews. So if you like us, if you support us, us if if you ride with us um if you like the a plus quality videos that i like to put out that i definitely did not steal from like stock accounts then by all means (laughs) five star review we would certainly appreciate it and that's all i got go irish baby well said steve notre dame 11 and
0: 1 another successful season and we await to see if we make the college football playoff from all of us here at the four horsemen podcast thank you for listening and go irish